Greetings, family. Fernando, your host. Let's go ahead and open this meeting with a moment of silence for those who suffer out there, the children and anyone you know that's suffering. Remember, try to remember them as vivid as you can and praying with them, the Our Father. Hold their hands and see them. And let's pray Our Father for them, with them. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless those people that you have in mind. In Jesus' name. Today we're going to be touching on a book in the Old Testament called Habakkuk. Uh, <clears throat> Habakkuk was troubled by the evil he saw running rampant in his town, his nation. He brought his honest concerns to God, but was not prepared for God's answer. God planned to use the cruel and violent Babylonians to punish Judah. Judah, even with all his sins, was far more righteous than Babylon. How could God support Babylon's success while bringing destruction on Judah? Life is filled with such questions. We are familiar with injustice in our society. Often the bad guys seem to win. Why does God allow it? Habakkuk prophecy assures us that no matter what we face in life, God never changes his personality or his promises. His holy and loving character remains the same. Even when everything seems to be falling apart, he will fulfill all the promises of his word. Even when the future seems to hold nothing but pain, God is powerful enough to use even the bad things in our lives to bring about his good will for us and his world. Let me read that again. He will fulfill all the promises of his word, even when the future seems to hold nothing but pain. Pain. God is powerful enough to use even the bad things in our lives to bring about His goodwill for us and His world. This prophecy is unique because the prophet never took the role of God's spokesman. Instead, Habakkuk recorded how God responded to his honest questions about life. God wanted us to come to Him with our questions and doubts. God wants us to come with questions and doubts. If we listen to God's reply, we, like Habakkuk, can have our hearts stirred to renew trust and hope in God. Habakkuk realized that remembering past displays of God's power will give him faith in God for future struggles. This is part of the value of sharing our stories of deliverances with others. As we remember what God has done for us in recovery, we and others will be strengthened for the conflicts yet to come. God has made us satisfaction, satisfying in our souls. Let's give him thanks for that. Now the bottom line about the book. To deal with doubt by affirming that in spite of the evil in the world, God has not changed in his person or his purpose. Amen. Okay. The value of doubt. We all have questions about the injustices in life. They are part of life. We may not always find the answers, but we always have 
the right to ask them. Habakkuk fell free to ask such questions, even about God's character. We should feel the same freedom. When circumstances around us or within us seem unbearable, we can ask God why. In those moments, however, we must also remember that God is in control. He does care, and He wants us to come to Him with our doubts. It is often during times of doubt that we search forward in recovery, in progress, in restoration. In these times of honest confusion, we are better able to recognize our helplessness and entrust our lives to God. God never changes. For most of us, life is hard and filled with struggles. As we seek to overcome our problems and dependencies, pondering God's faithfulness to us in the past can be a source of continual strength. The prophet Habakkuk was greatly encouraged as he remembered all that God had done for his people. Because God never changes, we can be confident that what he has done in the past, he will continue to do in the future. This is one of the reasons why sharing our recovery is so important. By telling others about what God has done for us, we give them reasons to believe that he will work the same miracles for them. God is our source of hope. Our hope must be built upon the foundations of our powerful and loving God. Because Habakkuk's hope was in God, he could patiently wait for God to bring the day of judgment against Babylon. We live, really live, by trusting God. We will make progress in recovery as we improve our relationships with Him and seek His face each day. He is our strength and our place of safety. He is the basis of our hope for recovery. Amen. In chapter 1, this is the message that the prophet Habakkuk received in a vision. Habakkuk's complaint. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere, I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see the evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed, and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, so that justice has become perverted. In verses 1 through 4, Habakkuk, a contemporary of the prophet Jeremiah, Daniel, and Ezekiel, was appalled at the wickedness that swirled about him like a windstorm. Lawlessness and injustice were rampant in the nation of Judah. The prophet, sensitive to the sins around him, called out to God, today's society is not much different. We often find ourselves wondering, will this ever end? The rest of Habakkuk's book provides an answer to this question. Okay, verse 5. The Lord replied, Look around at the nations. Look and be amazed. For I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe, even if someone told you about it. I am raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people that will march across the world and conquer other lands. They are notorious for their cruelty and do whatever they like. Their horses are swifter than Sheetas and fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their charioteers charge from a far away. Like eagles, they swoop down to devour their prey. On, on they come, all bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind, sweeping 
captives ahead of them like sand. They scoff at kings and princes and scorn all their fortresses. They simply pile up ramps of earth against their walls and capture them. They sweep past like the wind and are gone. But they are deeply guilty for their own strength is their God. In verses 5 through 11 on chapter 1, God's solution for Judah's sin was exile in Babylon. He would allow the Babylonians to destroy Judah and Jerusalem to teach them that ignoring his plan for them had terrible consequences. It was God's way of helping his people reach bottom so they could begin the process of recovery. God often allows us to, to be overcome by the hard consequences of our dependencies to teach us that we can't live without him. Then when we turn to God for help, we discover that his plan for us is the only way to live. Now verse 12. O Lord my God, my Holy One, you who are eternal, surely you do not plan to wipe us out. O Lord our rock. You have sent these Babylonians to correct us, to punish us for our many sins. But you are pure and cannot stand the sight of evil. Will you wink at their treasury? Should you be silent with the wicked, swallow up people more righteous than they? Are we only fish to be caught and killed? Are we only sea creatures that have no leader? Must we be strung up on their hooks and caught in their nets while they rejoice and celebrate? Then they will worship their nets and burn incense in front of them. Their nets are the gods who have made us rich, they will claim. Will you let them get away with this forever? Will they succeed forever in their heartless consequences? In verses 12, well, let me keep reading chapter 2. I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. When the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Now, commentary. When faced with destruction by the Babylonians, it seems to, to Habakkuk that the cure was worse than the disease. How could God allow his godless nations to destroy God's own people? It didn't seem right. Like Habakkuk, we sometimes wonder why God allows people even more wicked than us to prosper. But rather than turn away from God in confusion and resentment, we need to turn to him and ask him to help us face our problems and dependencies. God will deal with the other people when the time is right. He is ultimately in control. Amen. Now let's keep reading verse 4 of chapter 2. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked. But the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. Wealth is treasurers and the arrogant are never at rest. They open their mouth as wide as the grave, and like death, they are never satisfied. In their greed, they have gathered up many nations and swallowed many people. 
But soon their captives will taunt them, and they will mock them, saying, What sorrow awaits you, thieves? Now you will get what you deserve. Now you become rich by extortion. Just how much longer can this go on? Suddenly, your debtors will take action. They will turn on you and take all you have while you stand trembling and helpless because you have plundered many nations. Now all the survivors will plunder you. You committed murder throughout the countryside and filled the towns with violence. What sorrow awaits you who build big houses with money gained dishonestly? You believe your wealth will buy security, putting your family's nest beyond the reach of danger? But by the murders you commit, you have shamed your name and forfeited your lives. The very stones in the walls cry out against you, and the beams in the ceilings echo the complaint. What sorrow awaits you who build cities with money gained through murder and corruption? Has not the Lord of Heaven's armies promised that the wealth of nations will turn to ashes. They work so hard, but all in vain. For as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. What sorrow awaits you who makes your neighbors drunk? You force your cup on them so you can gloat over their shameful nakedness. But soon it will be your turn to be disgraced Come, drink, and be exposed. Drink from the cup of the Lord's judgment, and all your glory will be turned to shame. You cut down the forest of Lebanon, now you will be cut down. You destroy the wild animals, so now their terror will be yours. You committed murder throughout the countryside and filled the towns with violence. What good is an idol carved by man or a cast image that deceives you? How foolish to trust in your own creation. A God that can't even talk. What sorrow awaits you who say to wooden idols, Wake up and save us. To speechless stones, images, you say, Rise up and teach us. Can an idol tell you what to do? They may be overlaid with gold and silver, but they are lifeless inside. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Chapter 3. In verses 1 and 2 from chapter 3, Habakkuk praises God not only for answering his questions, but also for the knowledge he had gained about the person of God. Habakkuk learned how much his people needed God's discipline, Hebrews 12, 5 and 6. So he acknowledged God's righteousness in their coming judgment. Then he looked past the coming punishment of their restoration. God's punishment is always for the purpose of growth and blessings. If we recognize our need for God and follow his good plans for us, we can receive the blessing he intended for us to gain through our painful experience. Again, if we recognize our need for God, we worship him, praise him, and thank him for all the hiccups and follow his good plan for us, his reading plans, we can receive the blessings he has intended for us. We can gain them through our painful experiences by thanking God for those painful experiences. In verses 3 to 16, remembering the powerful acts of God in the past can give us confidence in what God can do now in the future. During a restoration recovery time, it is extremely helpful to read what God has done 
in the lives of his people and be encouraged by their examples. Romans 15, 4 and 1 Corinthians 10, 11. God's work in our own lives can also be a great help to others as we share how God delivered us in the past. Not only will others receive new hope for recovery, but we also will be encouraged by recalling what God has already done for us. Amen. Chapter 3. This prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. I see God moving across the desert from Edom, the Holy One coming from Mount Paran. His brilliant splendor fills the heavens and the earth is filled with his praise. His coming is as brilliant as the sunrise. Rays of light flash from his hand where his awesome power is hidden. Pestilence marches before him. Plagues follow close behind him. When he stops, the earth shakes. When he looks, the nation tremble. He shatters the everlasting mountains and levels the eternal hills. He is the eternal one. I see the people of Kushan in distress and the nations of Midian trembling in terror. Was it in anger, Lord, that you struck the rivers and parted the sea? Were you displeased with them? No, you were sending your chariots of salvation. You brandish your bow and your quiver of arrows. You split open the earth with flowing rivers. The mountains watch and tremble onward, swept the raging waters. The mighty deep cried out, lifting its hands in submission. The sun and moon stood still in the sky as your brilliant arrows flew and your glittering spears flashed. You marched across the land in anger and trampled the nation in your fury. You went out to rescue your chosen people to save your anointed ones. You crushed the heads of the wicked and stripped their bones from head to toe. With his own weapons, you destroyed the chief of those who rushed out like a whirlwind, thinking Israel would be easy prey. You trampled the sea with your horses and the mighty waters piled high. I trembled inside when I heard this. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me, and I shook in terror. I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vine, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. Amen and amen. Now, in verses 17 and 19, Habakkuk's prayer came to a climax in a beautiful affirmation of faith. Although there would be hard times ahead, Habakkuk knew that he could trust God to provide him with the strength he needed to persevere. Verse 19 provides a picture of the sure-footed confidence we can have in our God. He is our strength and safety assurance for all of us in recovery. Amen.
Now in verses 3 to 16, remembering the powerful acts of God in the past can give us confidence in what God can do now and in the future. During our restoration and recovery time, it is extremely helpful to read what God has done in the lives of his people and be encouraged by their example. God's work in our own lives can also be a great help to others as we shared how he delivered us in the past. Not only will others receive new hope for recovery, they will also be encouraged by recalling what God has already done for us. I believe I read that already. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you are a merciful Father. Our kind Father, the whole earth knows that you are our dad and you are rich. Every blade of grass, every hill, every cow on a thousand hills belongs to you. All things and all people are yours, Lord. And we praise you and we thank you that you are our daddy and you keep us safe, Lord, through all tribulation. Thank you for your great glory. Thank you for your honor. Thank you for your strength and power, Lord God. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We ask you to be it unto us according to your word. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And all of God's people say, Amen and Amen. Thank you so much, family, for coming out here today. Enjoy and continue to rejoice in Jesus' name. Amen.